again, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Help on the Way podcast, where we are featuring October 8th, 1983 at the Richmond Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia. I am your co-host, The Game, here with my fellow co-hosts, Knob and Fig. Go ahead and say good evening. Good hey, Sunday evening. evening. Yes. Game, how you feeling? We usually record on the weekdays and now it's the weekend. How you feeling? Um, I, I feel like the audience will hear in my voice that I just feel alive and like a human today. Um, unlike most recording where I wake up from a, a prompt nap and uh, wipe the sleep <laughs> out my eyes and grab a drink. And we're talking about Grateful Dead for 45 minutes. I'm going back to bed soon. Um, no, I, I feel great. I'm, a, uh, I'm very... Um, I'm ready for the holiday. Um, I believe yeah. this. Um, yeah, kinda... this episode? This, should, this one should. It should be the holiday today that this episode goes out. Oh, oh um, yeah. happy Thanksgiving happy for our Thanksgiving American fans, for our uh, friends and fans in the good old U.S. of A. It is our Thanksgiving day today. Uh, I'm talking about Sorry. this a couple of days in advance. <laughs> Sorry to our Canadian fans for not acknowledging y'all's Thanksgiving. Last yeah, that was, yeah what, that was a, couple, a real uh, oversight. Um, I did eat poutine for Canadian Thanksgiving, so I did celebrate my own way Actually, a little you bit. You know, and um, peek behind the curtain. I'm I'm on um, the admin side of our uh, Podbean website, and we do have 13 Canadian listeners out there. So this is wow. this is not just yeah, not just lip service. Uh, we have six we from Norway. All 13 of you. Yeah, we will and, and, and all Canadians in general. Uh, yeah. Six from and Norway, one from Germany, Norwegian one from Unknown. Norwegian listeners. Yeah. Um, I hope Norway has Thanksgiving as well. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. old Norwegian Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, everybody, um, while we are joking around this evening, um, thank you all once again for listening, as always. And if you are in the States, uh, you happen to be listening to us today on Thanksgiving. Um, thanks for letting us uh, be a part of your day today. Um, let's just and, go and ahead. Thanks to you guys too. I'm, I'm glad we're yeah. I'm glad we're doing this. This is cool. This is a we're, fun project here. So we thanks to my co-hosts. I'm Aww. grateful for y'all, and I'm grateful for the dead. Aww. Yeah, Ooh, and for uh, archive.org. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, I, I will give a plug. Um, I guess a couple days after. Uh, Thanksgiving is Giving Tuesday, and archive.org, which is essentially the reason that we're here. Um, of course, yeah. archive.org houses the entire Grateful Dead um, archive, which is accessible for free. Um, pretty much, you know, blows the mind of anybody who, you know, had to trade Grateful Dead shows by tape or by whatever. Um, you can access the Grateful Dead 24 hours a day, whatever show you want for their entire history for free. Um, so if you want to give to our, uh, the Internet Archive, go to archive.org and uh, go to uh, the donate button on uh, Giving Tuesday, which is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Or do it whenever, because it's an awesome service. That's my plug. Thank you for that, Fig. Uh, you know what? Let's just go ahead and dive right into our Channel 6 segment. Um, because even though there's not too much going on um, in the world of Grateful Dead and Grateful Dead music news, um, we do have kind of a packed Channel 6 today. Um, and actually, I'm going to send it off to Knob first, um, because our first two bullet points he will be the expert on. Uh, we have uh, Knob went to see Billy Strings. I believe that was at the Met, correct, Knob? 
I did uh, I did two Billy shows. I did Nassau on the Friday, and then I was able to snag a last minute ticket to the Sunday show at the Met. Ooh, nice. Um, how how oh, you did go to shows? the Met show? Great. Yeah, I wasn't planning to, and then someone was selling a ticket online. Someone I knew and trusted, and uh, I was I like I I saw that Billy Nassau show, and I was like I. I need to see him again. He doesn't do the Northeast a lot, so like when Billy's in town, I try to see Billy. And so, yeah. Uh, Did he play a uh, tunes? No, he is still in his dead tune drought. Billy hasn't played a dead oh, tune since Bob sat in with him in May of this year. Um, he's taken a bit of a purposeful pause because uh, <laughs> I, he has a his bunch own of career. <laughs> Yeah, he he doesn't want to just be the Grateful Dead guy. A, yeah. a drunk dude in his crowd once yelled out "Althea," which is a Grateful Dead song oh. Billy has never played, and uh, nor would I think it ever that translate a little to bit bluegrass. Wary. No, I don't think so. Uh, um, Billy's got a pretty yeah. enough voice that I'm sure it would sound good, but I don't see it in that setting working. Um, but it was a, I really enjoyed it. I like Billy a lot. Um, he put on one hell of a show. He played some songs I have been chasing, as well as some songs that are too new for me to be chasing. Because uh, they only did he play? He only started playing. Thunder. Oh yeah, set to Ooh. open with "Proud Mary" by Creedence oh. Clearwater Revival, and then Thunder. It was <sighs> wow. Good. I guess he was really playing music off of um, what's his new album? Dad and Son, Son and Dad. Me and Dad. Yeah. Me and Dad. Yeah, he did a couple of those those old bluegrass tunes. Awesome. He's um, had um Billy's kind of been busy um this week yeah. because um literally after um so a little peek behind the curtain here while we're recording, uh we were going to record uh, our normal recording evening is Wednesday evenings, but this past Wednesday we had um a bit of personal things come up that we had to take a quick pause. Um, and right before we decided to take a pause, I asked Nob if Billy was going to join Trey and Goose that evening. Um, and at that point, we did not know uh, if that was a reality. Oh, there was, there was, uh, there's Photoshop rumors going on during the day, uh, rumors of a sound check, perhaps. Um, and the rumors actually turned out to be true. Um, oh, so good. It really was really, really, really good. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really bummed me out I, that that happened Wednesday and not on the show I was at on Saturday. Yeah. I, wow. I watched it with my folks because we all had heard the rumor that Billy was sitting in. And my mom's not a fish person, but she loves Billy. And so Trayvon goes out, they start doing their set. And we're like halfway through the set and Billy still hasn't walked out. And I'm sitting there going... Oh my god, if I've made my mom listen to an hour and a half of the Trey band and Billy doesn't come out at any point, she's <laughs> never gonna forgive me. But then he did come out and they oh they ripped it. That creek, it was, that possum. It was so good. Karini, great. It, it really, awesome. really, really, really was good. Um, you know, and I guess we'll just keep segueing um through our channel six segment here. Um, Nob, what do you know about Phil and Friends' December Warfield run? I know some information. Uh, Phil and Friends <laughs> uh, just announced that they're doing a two-night run to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Warfield Theater uh, on the 28th and 29th of December. Not quite New Year's, but around that time. Uh, 
The lineup is, I believe it's Rick from Goose, the Trey Van Horn section. Uh, and I do not remember. I, I think Holly Bowling's on keys, who I, I adore. I'm a big Holly Bowling fan. Um, and then uh, Graham's there, which is crazy to me that Phil was able to get Graham. Uh, he had to have pulled some crazy strings behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited. Rick and the Trey Band Horns play off each other really well between those previous Phil and Friend shows and now this Tab Goose tour. Uh, I'm excited to see what they've got, and hopefully Graham doesn't play over Rick the entire time. Um, James, I'm looking at the lineup now. Uh, James Casey, saxophone. I think he played... That's Trey Band Horns. That's Trey Band Horns. He played for Billy and the Kids, though. Yes. Correct. Ah, see, yes. this is how I'm learning oh, okay. my jam band lore. I'm, yeah, it's I'm... all an interconnected little. <laughs> but I, my my buddy, um, speaking back to to Billy on Wednesday night, um, they also played uh, back on the train. Yeah. Uh, which is oh, cool. um, one of the only few fish songs that I really know and enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and I only know that because of Billy playing it with mm. Billy and Billy and the Kids <laughs> this past <laughs> summer. So it's like. It's this um, this world all kind of joins together. Uh, hey, speaking why don't you tell of, us about your taboo show. Well, I was actually going to pivot to you first, and then end oh, with okay. my taboo show, just because mine was literally yesterday, and I'm going to segue that into our final bold topic of the evening. So oh, yeah. I'm yeah, going I'll... to. Um, so Fig, we'll do this little natural transition. So Fig, rumor has it you saw J-Rad uh, recently. Could you share any thoughts on that experience? Yeah, I did. Um, I will kind of, I won't bury the lead. I didn't have the best of nights. Um, the listeners and, and my co-hosts will remember I saw them uh, with Knob um, up in yes. um, northern New Jersey uh, in October, and it was a fantastic night uh, from start to finish. I love them so much. Um, this was not uh, the best uh, of, of J-Rad experiences for me for um, a number of reasons. Um, I think part of it was the Met, and I, I kind of want to get uh, Nob's reaction about that. So the Met is, a, I would say, probably Philly's newest, um, and I might be mistaken about that, uh, venue. It's a converted, I think it used to be like a boxing like forum uh, up on North Broad, just south of Temple University, uh, and they converted that into um, a uh, you know a, a space, a performance space. It's huge, and and uh, we had GA. No, no, we didn't have GACs. We actually had seats, and no one was dancing around me. The vibe wasn't there. Um, to be honest, uh, you know, we got there late, and I think that kind of killed the vibe for me. I think uh, so. The doors opened at nine. We strolled in at like nine fifteen, and we were mm. like really late. <laughs> They were like in the middle of uh, the end of the first set, um, huh. and the the set list wasn't doing it for me. And uh, me, and my buddy, we just we weren't really uh, enjoying ourselves. the The vibe just wasn't there. The sound was not great, and so we left. And I think that's okay. I mean, I, I again, I had a great time in October uh, seeing J Rad. Um, the one in November a couple days ago in Philly was not the greatest. I don't think that I'm going to um, never see them again. Uh, I think maybe they just had a bad night, or perhaps I had a bad night. Um, so that's my J-Rad experience. Um, was not the best. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I was in the nosebleeds of nosebleeds for the Met. I was literally the second to last row of the balcony. So mm -hmm. I, I can't fully comment on the Met, 
um, because like genuinely like uh, bits of the stage were blocking my view. The lights were shining in my face for good chunks of it. Uh, <laughs> there were genuinely a couple of Billy songs that that Sunday night that I had to have my eyes shut because like I was standing where they were calibrating those top lights to go to the back of the house. <laughs> and so it was literally and it wouldn't move for several minutes. And it was question. Good songs, did too. Billy did Billy sell out the Met? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I was in the back of the back, and sure, there were a right. handful of empty seats behind me, but yeah, Billy pretty much sold out the Met. Good for him. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Billy sold yeah, out it, the It's Met, a much bigger venue than I thought. Up. Yeah, no doubt. Speaking of shows that we saw this weekend, and <laughs> other weekends, Game, what show did you see recently? So, last evening, I saw the tour finale of Goose, which is something I did forget to bring up when we were talking pre-show. I saw Goose and the Trey. How do you say his last name correctly? Is it Anastasio? Oh, man. People say it differently. Uh, Yeah, I... I... I definitely... I say Anastasio, but I'm about 80% sure I'm wrong. Um, Anastasia. Per tradition. (laughs) Anastasia is how I should pronounce it. You know what? I saw Goose and Trey Band. um, Yeah, just call him Trey. (laughs) Last evening. Um, And it was my first experience. um, Truthfully, it was my first experience for a few different things. Um, Not only was it my first experience for a Goose and Trey show... Um, never saw Goose, uh, never saw Trey or Fish before, um, really don't know, uh, Fish songs, Goose songs, etc., etc. Um, also was my first ever, um, general admission bowl show that I've ever been to inside of an arena. Um, and I must say, um, Goose was awesome. Nice. Um, from knowing, and, and maybe it is because... I went into it pretty much knowing nothing. Um, a few songs. Um, which song did I discover on, on YouTube? Um, Red Bird. Okay. Um, dug, dug that one. I found a live version of that. So I knew that one. Um, and there was another one. Uh, what, what, I know how the words or like how the beat goes. It's like. Do it. Yeah. Gonna, yeah, that's Arcadia. Yeah. That one I really enjoy as well. So those two, I'm like, okay, like I know I like the sound of those. I'm willing to go into this with a, with an open mind, and they crushed it. Um, absolutely loved my experience um, at the Goose show. Um, every time, um, or really at the end of each song, um, pretty much right away, I, I I understood that what was happening. They just at the end of each song, everyone goes, goes Goose. <laughs> I love that right away. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm all in on this. Um, so um, really enjoyed that. Um, then the Trey Band came out. Um, and I do love me a good horn section. Um, don't get me wrong. Uh, however, um, Trey Band, probably not for me. Um, probably won't see me at any fish shows anytime soon. Um, 
not talking negatively about it because it was a very well-received show from everything I've read. Um, just, I don't know, just for me, at that moment in time, Trey Band wasn't kicking it, but you could have gave me another set of goose and I would have been there the whole night. Um, so I think I'm a goose fan now. All right, um, good for you. I need to start learning names um, and songs, and I need to start getting bootleg t-shirts and, <laughs> you know, um, all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, and this will lead into our our final bullet point for the week, and then we will go into what everybody's waiting for, which is our thoughts on October 8th, 1983 from Richmond Coliseum. Um and truthfully, this is a uh, our our final story is really a big moment, um, not just for music, uh, but really all of mankind. Frankly, um, yeah, the hip the, the the hippies and the Swifties <laughs> have come together and joined up. and joined core um, values and core <laughs> hatred for one. Ticketmaster and the Blink uh, fans. Let's not forget the Blink fans. You, you know Blink what? Fans had to pay for oh yeah, right. yeah. But you know what? Like no one cared about it till until Taylor came in and just decided. You know what? Like yeah, we're canceling. He has, uh, <laughs> in my opinion, outsized pool. I, I remember she was she was kind of dipping her feet into like uh, politics for a while. Uh, I think during the last uh, presidential election, and like she has yeah. like some serious pool. So yeah. Nice. uh Live Nation can piss off dead deadheads. They can piss off Blink One Two fans, but don't piss off the Swifties, or else nope. uh, you're gonna you're gonna hear about it. Um, I just have a couple headlines that I pulled um, two hours ago. Senator Amy Klobuchar is now pressing for further investigation into the Ticketmaster, yeah. quote unquote, monopoly. Yeah, she was also uh, stuck in the queue. I bet. <laughs> Total Swiftie. I get it. Several attorneys general are looking into. The the Taylor Swift Ticketmaster fiasco, including the Attorney General of the U.S. Department of Justice. They're opening so, an antitrust I mean, yeah. investigation. <laughs> so not to get... Obviously, we're not a Taylor Swift podcast, but we... We could be. We are. We could be. We aspire to be. What? Um, <laughs> I know that's they had a, uh, That's what we record on Thursday nights. I know they had a pre-sale, obviously, like they yeah. do all the time. And I remember seeing it was just like widespread um, like tweets, Instagram posts, social media posts about people having a hard time in the presale. Yes. And at the time, I was like, oh, these are just rookies because like no. I buy tickets for events all the time and like it's always a pain in the ass, but whatever, right? Like it always works out in the end. And yeah. then it's like it continued on to the next day of people complaining yeah. about it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, it's still a story. And it, like, not just a story like on social media. Like, now it was like, you know, in the news. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like Friday, it's like, OMG, Ticketmaster has to cancel the whole public sale, period. It, yeah. And then it's like, Department of Justice is like investigating. What the hell happened? I it's it's a perfect storm of a bunch of things all going wrong, and any one of these, it could have been fine. But the big thing, Taylor Swift has not toured in five years, and since uh, that time, she the has put out there. four new albums in addition to the, the re-recording she's been putting out. 
So the demand is high there. This tour specifically is themed around the entirety of her career. She said she's doing songs from the first album, songs from the newest album. No matter what period of Taylor Swift you like, you're getting some good stuff. That combined with Ticketmaster's pre-sale, I think they gave the code out to about a million, million and a half people. And there were only three and a half million tickets that could be sold for the entire tour. So I, people immediately started, uh, there, there just wasn't enough demand for the supply, and Ticketmaster servers couldn't handle all of these people logging on. Also, when you're in that queue, you don't, the queue was full of people that didn't have a code to do the pre-sale, so people would wait hmm. hours and hours and hours, because the way Ticketmaster works is you wait in the queue, then you put in your code, then you get your tickets. And so this queue would be clogged with thousands and thousands of people who didn't have a code, but were maybe hoping that a bug in Ticketmaster's system or whatever. And people were so checking it out. People were, I, I, like, we did, we got Fish New Year's tickets, and that was a pain in the ass. But I will never complain about that again, having done that Taylor Swift queue. That was by far my worst ticket-buying experience in life. Did, did you get tickets or no? Did you get tickets? We, we... I didn't. A friend of ours was able to get some, and we were able to buy those. That was... I, I would love to see a documentary, or maybe even just, like, a very nicely formatted timeline of when exactly Taylor Swift became, like, the most powerful person in music. Yeah. Like, I, it may I know have been this week. Crazy. It may have been this week. I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> but, like, I knew she was... And, and maybe it's just because... Um, she's from Berks County, which is yeah. where Trey and that connection for that, you. That last evening. So, like, she's been around like our news for like a very long time, even before. Yeah, like, why didn't Taylor stuff. Swift sit in with Trey Goose? Huh? Yeah, you know, I would have loved if they Billy if she Strings. came out. Why didn't <laughs> if, if if Goose if Goose and Taylor Swift would have done? Um, I don't know. I, I yeah, yeah, I want to know. I specifically don't, don't give wanted, the guys like, and Goose any ideas. No, I want them to make her sing one of those like goofy Trey bands songs like i want her to do the lizards or possum or one of those songs <laughs> with nonsense words but like it really wonders me like when she became i uh this I couldn't... like like I, I know I, I remember I, I like you know she has outsized pool and like if she wanted to it's go insane. political and whenever she goes political like she can change yeah. the course of you know election if she wants to yeah. uh, or real, the course like, of of monopolies that that control who gets to see what um you know for live music and this uh, would be yeah, one of those know. i say this go is one of those two this is one of those she, scenarios where if she decided yeah. i seriously want to run for president right you can't tell me and not get political but if you look at donald trump as literally just a television celebrity like i know businessman yeah. but really television celebrity wwe hall of fame member donald trump he was the president of the United States. You cannot tell me if Taylor Swift decided, you know what? I want to do this. She, fucking people would be going to register to vote like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Like, I agree with that. And I think that what Trump did was he showed that the presidency is just reality TV or right. just celeb reality. Um, you know, it was just had a veneer of uh, politics on it uh, before Trump. And I think that if Taylor Swift wanted to do that, um, she absolutely could do that. I'd really like to hear the album that she would inevitably make midterm. Um, I would really, I would like to hear the Taylor yeah, Swift. Yeah, it would probably. I would be like to hear her take on the Star Spangled <laughs> Banner. I, I think that that's a song that could use a remake. Yeah, 
I really like if you haven't heard Jose Feliciano's version where he does it uh, with just him and an acoustic guitar, making it sound like a like '60s folky protest song. Really cool rendition. That's the least oh. related to anything point I've made this <laughs> evening, but I do want say something to about the Grateful Dead. Quick. <laughs> Uh, I, I fully um, support Taylor Swift taking over the presidency and, ch- and making the, the the national anthem "You Belong to Me." <laughs> <laughs> Look, as as one of the five Americans that liked Lover initially, uh, Taylor Swift can apparently do no wrong in my eyes. Um, uh, did she write the song about John Mayer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dear John. Dear John. Oh, the the new one. I guess that kind of. Make us... <laughs> yeah, Dear John's 100% about John Mayer, and uh, it it's one of her best songs. It's great. It, it's a really good song. Um, I always joke that I want her to sit in with Dead and & Company, and that's the one song I want them to play. Um, That'd be awesome. It's not going to happen, but I would like to hear it. <laughs> it is amazing the track record John Mayer has. Uh, but, you know, that... <laughs> His um his dating track record is probably a whole nother ep- podcast episode yeah. so, yeah. somewhere yeah. down the line. It's not really we'll what we do here. News. It'll be in the news again. It will be in the news again. Um, but you know what we do do here is we do talk about uh, concerts we go to, uh, Ticketmaster, and of course music. Uh, the main yeah, event. Let's go back of, in time. Yeah, ooh, ooh, let's go. Let's go ahead and uh, strap future. on our seatbelts. Let's go ahead and strap in our seatbelts. Take a ride on the way back machine. Head back to October eighth, nineteen eighty three, Richmond Coliseum, uh, Richmond, Virginia. Um, this was a good show. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah really, it really was. Even, even the really song was. I hate the most in the Grateful Dead repertoire, I really enjoyed. Um, we will go ahead and dive right into set one uh, and our thoughts. Um, set one opened up with a fire, uh, Feel Like a Stranger. Then we got Friend of the Devil into New Minglewood Blues. Then we got Brown Eyed Women, Cassidy, West LA Fadeaway, Hell in a Bucket, and then set one ended with Deal. Um, Fig, what were your thoughts on set number one? Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, so, you know, truth be told, I, I do agree that that this whole show was a smoker. Um, the, you know, the rub is that there were no soundboard recordings. Uh, you know, that got passed down to us. Uh, there's only audio audience recordings. Uh, that being said, it's a really good audience recording. I was listening to the 24-bit um, Miller um, audio uh, audience recording. And it was actually pretty decent um, pretty much throughout the whole thing. Like, there were times where you just couldn't hear hear everything, and, and, and that's okay. Uh, but we started off with A Stranger, which is one of my favorite openers. And this was, like, a paradigmatic reason why. Uh, like, it just had everything you want. And at the end, like, you know, there's even that little stranger danger kind of feel to it, um, which I which I really enjoy when they do that. And then we get into A Friend of the Devil. It was a slow friend of the devil, and I am a huge fan of a slow friend of the devil. I know that that's somewhat of a, a hot take. Um, some people don't agree, but I, I think it's awesome, and, and that's what they were doing in the early 80s, and that's what they were doing on 10-8-83. New Minglewood Blues. Okay, um, this was good. I like the pace of New Minglewood, of New Minglewood Blues. Uh, unfortunately, Brent had a a solo that was essentially inaudible. I would have liked to have heard what he did a little bit more. And then also, unfortunately, we had a Bob Weir slide solo that just went on for a little bit too much. Yeah, that happened tonight. Uh, And then um, 
Bright Nine Women happened. Uh, you know, it's a good song. It was only five minutes. It didn't really do much for me. Uh, Cassidy was only five minutes, and it was a quick Cassidy, and I almost liked it better. Um, sometimes when Cassidy gets drawn out and you get to like an eight, nine minute Cassidy, I don't really know what's going on. I don't like, I like it. I don't know why I like it. Uh, sometimes I don't like it. I don't know why I don't like it. But this was quick. It was succinct. Um, the the drums were doing some interesting stuff, like during the verse that you would get this kind of like shuffle rhythm uh, with the drums, which I thought was uh, kind of an interesting addition. And then and, uh, Brent's harmonies throughout were just fantastic for Cassidy. So definitely a star for Cassidy. Uh, definitely a star for West LA Fadeaway, uh, which is interesting mm-hmm. to me because that is not one that I typically rate. Uh, this is a nine-minute West LA Fadeaway, and I really liked it. I can't put into words why I liked it, uh, but this one was really good. And I, I have a suspicion that uh, my co-host can maybe uh, elucidate on that a bit more. So I'm going to move on to Hell in a Bucket. This was a baby Hell in the Bucket. I think uh, the song itself was uh, in its nascent period. And you can tell that uh, this was kind of interesting. So, you know, typically uh, for Bucket, first of all, it's kind of strange placing for Hell in a Bucket. It's usually a show opener or like a set opener. This was the second to last song in set one. Um, and then the interesting thing was instead of the ravenous Catholic the Great, we get the infamous Catherine the Great, yes. which is much less interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, because I guess she is infamous, but she's also ravenous, which is more, you know, more to the point for Hell in the Bucket. Uh, and then we get a smoking deal, and that ends set one, which was a fun set. I'm going to kick it to my friend Nob. Thank you. Um, I agree with some of your points and disagree with some of them, as Her tradition. is the nature of the podcast. Um, <laughs> I really like this show. I, I will agree with, with my co-hosts here. Um, normally, I'm a little spotty with odds, and while I would love a soundboard or matrix of this show, I, this one being an audience tape didn't bother me. It's a good tape. Yeah. I did the Da Wee's recording, and it sounded really nice. Um, Feel Like a Stranger had a really clean start. Disco Dead was living again. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed Brent's ketones. It just had a really great energy to it. And uh, truth be told, a lot of times with Grateful Dead shows, the opener doesn't do it for me. And it takes like till like song three or four for a set to really start to open up for me. This is a show that works from the jump. Um, this Feel Like a Stranger is awesome. Uh, it's an early friend of the devil. It almost felt too soon, but the crowd was really into it. Uh, Brent's harmonies were sweet, a very melodic solo from Brent that I really enjoyed. It's a good friend of the devil. It wins me over by the end, absolutely. I really like the new Minglewood. This would be a highlight of the set for me, Bob B. Solo nonwithstanding. Uh, It's hot and heavy. It's a nice blend of the dancey groove coming from the rhythm section with some really gritty guitar lines from Jerry. Bobby's very into it vocally. On the tape I had, you can hear Brent solo pretty well, and I think it oh, rips. Interesting. Um, I, Bobby, Bobby, yeah. the first. What are we half gonna do about worked. that, Bobby Weir? It's so. If he just did one rotation of the twelve bar right. blues, I'd be right. like, "Wow, Bobby, right. you did a really right. nice, really restrained slide solo," and then right. he starts going, and I, I, yeah. Oh man. It, it, you know what's similar to it? it's it's like the squealing sax that we would get in Let It Grow from those seventy what yeah. three shows when they yeah. had the, the the you know the the crew of brass with them and it was like you just don't need to squeal and make 
sound if you no. don't need to. Yeah. Um, I think Jerry salvages the new Minglewood by the end, definitely. Yeah. But uh, it, I, I won't yeah. argue that that high solo part is rough. Um, throwing two Virginia shoutouts in the same song sounds a little desperate, Bobby. Uh, he does two different shout-outs to the people of Virginia during that song. Um, after Friend of the Devil, I was a little scared Jerry was going to have one of those nights where he only wants to play ballads, but Brown-Eyed Women felt really great. Uh, the drummers were on fire, some really nice Phil stuff. It's a good Brown-Eyed Women. Agreed, it was a short and sweet Cassidy. It's very pretty, but there wasn't really a... This isn't a Cassidy I see myself going back to, but it is a Cassidy I enjoyed hearing. Definitely agreed that West LA Fadeaway is a highlight of this set. You get some really nice Phil and really nice Brent stuff. This is a night where Brent synths are awesome. Yeah. Sometimes in the mid 80s, you can get a little spotty with Brent synths, but everything feels right tonight. Jerry can Solo. I say, can I say why I think that is? Yeah. I think it's because we're listening to an audience recording. That goes to my theory yeah. that if you listen to 80s Dead, probably early to mid 80s Ted yeah. on a soundboard Brent w w what you're hearing is not how the band is wants the audience to hear you know on a soundboard yeah. but if you head over to the audience recording it does work it works really well and I think that that's yeah. that, that's exactly why yep um the verses were nice and slinky it's hard to tell uh, Jerry was getting a lot of lyrics wrong but it's hard to tell how much of that is Jerry messing up and how much of that is the lyrics still being finalized. But there, there are definitely points where I had to stop giving him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, <laughs> I really like this bucket. Honestly, I, this didn't sound like an early 80s bucket to me. This sounded more like a mid to late 80s bucket. If I close my eyes, this could have been an 87, 89 bucket. Uh, Bobby was super into it, and the big thing that separates it from other early buckets to me is that they really used the dynamics well. They were able to get to, not quiet, but quieter and then build to really loud. Uh, a lot of those early 80s Helena buckets are just hot and heavy. Just Chucks how through. much shredding can we do in six minutes? And while this is still a shorter rendition, there was a patience to it that felt more like late 80s dead. Um... I really, I, I enjoyed it. I mean that as highest praise. Um, Brent and Jerry had some great interplay on Deal. It was a great groove to that deal. It's a, a hard one to intellectualize. It, it's just good vibes. It hits a real nice energetic peak, and you sit there thinking, this has to be the set one closer. And it is. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed New Minglewood, West LA Fadeaway, and Deal are probably my highlights, but it's all really strong. What did you think, game? Um, I'm just going to be the echo chamber. Um, I agree. <laughs> um, whole set one was awesome. Um, Feel Like a Stranger, good. Friend of the Devil, good. Uh, New Minglewood, great. Uh, Brown-Eyed Women, quick, fast, in and out of the pocket, good. Um, Cassidy, the same. Um it almost felt like, in a way, listening to a live version of the studio version of Cassidy, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just quick, just to it. Um, and I like that. Um, thought it was really good. Um, West LA Fadeaway was absolutely my highlight of set one and probably of the entire show. I um, never thought that I would hear that coming from your mouth, my friend. It was, it was awesome. Um, just the whole. I remember even posting in um, 
our channel here listening to the show just so i wouldn't forget you know and i don't take notes during uh listening of the shows um how much i enjoyed west la fadeaway um really 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 good that's one to go back and listen to for sure um hell in a bucket good and a fantastic deal to end um set one um set two gave us a no no kidding gave us a ripping keep your day job <laughs> then we got Again. playing yeah uh then yeah. we got playing in the band uh crazy fingers uh drums in space uh truckin spoonful uh wharf rat uh we then got a sugar mags jam uh then set to ended with good lovin and then we got an encore of u.s blues uh, nah, what were your thoughts on set number two? Thank you. I also liked set two. Um, I agree with you that uh, Day Job really ripped. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't get mad at this rendition of Day Job. Yes, it is a worse deal or a worse U.S. blues, and especially in a show where they do both of those other songs, it's weird. But Jerry's solo is hot, and the band absolutely nails the form of the song. It's just a fun boogie-woogie with a kind of annoying chorus. Um, it's a well-played plan in the band. Uh, the jam doesn't really stray much at first, but it had some nice energy. But things really get cooking when it starts to simmer down. Uh, a lot of fast runs from Jerry with these nice textural stuff from the rest of the band. Eventually, it becomes a grungier jam than you usually get from playing in the band, but I, I really dug it. I loved the evil chromatic thing that Bobby was doing. It was nice. Um, I Sometimes it's hard to tell for me a, if it's a good Crazy Fingers or a bad Crazy Fingers, because I really like Crazy Fingers. And like even when it's bad, that, that while a lady lullaby sings plainly for you, it's one of my favorite bits of music in the Grateful Dead Fantastic. canon. That's fantastic. I, you know, and this is a night, sure, Jerry's voice is a little rough. It's not going to be my favorite of the night. It might not even be a great version of Crazy Fingers, but it is a really nice energy in this set. Mm -hmm. Early. Feels a little early, I will say. Uh, it, uh, the drums comes out less than 30 minutes into the show. And energy-wise, after that Crazy Fingers, it makes sense to go to drums, but it, it did feel like we were missing another song or two between Day Job and playing in the band. Um, this drums is a highlight of the show for me. It had a really high-energy start to it. Uh, the, the bass drum thing that Mickey was playing with was awesome. The crowd was really into it, and I, I was as well. Some nice quiet-pitched percussion. Uh, it it was just really cool. I would not call space a highlight of the set, but I would call drums a highlight of the set. Uh, good groove to trucking. Um, it was kind of nice to hear, and this is one of the nice things you get from an audience tape. You get to hear crowd reactions, and it is kind of lovely to hear the crowd already wooing what a long, strange trip it's been. Because, mm. like, now it, you know, it, get, it, yeah. it gets a cheer, of course, and... It, as as more and more time passes, I think the cheer gets bigger and bigger. But it is interesting that even in eight in nineteen eighty three, what a long, strange trip it's been. Um, and that mm. was just nice. Uh, the hits on uh, trucking. There's a lot of those bump, 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 bump. That all really hit, and the bump, bump. Yeah, they really nailed that. Phil is having a lot of fun on trucking. 
uh, it's a smooth spoonful transition. Um, makes you understand why they did Fever. The, the groove to it reminds me a lot of uh, Fever in this rendition. Uh, Warfrat is a highlight of this show as well. Uh, I, the organ steals the show, but the whole thing is a really lovely rendition. If I was at this show, I would probably whine about the shorter set, but I wouldn't whine that hard because of this Warfrat. That would make me feel okay. It's not Jerry's prettiest sound, and on the bridge, his voice almost breaks, but then he powers through that, and that is really touching. The crowd cheers, and I'm right along with them. The bridge was lovely. It was just an inspired rendition of Warfrat. I do wonder what the deal is with that sort of sugar mag jam before Good Lovin'. It's a yeah, cool that's jam. A a, a, it would have been a very natural transition getting us from Warfrat to Sugar Mag. But I, I, I don't know if Bobby just didn't want to play it or whatever it was. But we suddenly find ourselves in Good Lovin'. And I felt weirded out at first, but yeah. it was the right call. Bobby wanted to do Good Lovin'. He had good lovin' in his heart, and he sang the hell out of it. I, you know, I did not expect the, warf, uh, the, the good lovin' rap that you get tonight. The, the line, take a look at the world today. What can anybody say? It's fucked. That really took me by surprise, wow. I gotta be honest with you. But, uh, as really as nice. true now as it was then. <laughs> yeah, as unfortunately timely as throwing stones still is. Um, yeah, or what a long, and... strange trip it's been. Yep. Uh, U.S. Blues is a nice high-energy way for them to say goodnight. It's not the best U.S. Blues, it's not the highlight of the show, but it is a really nice cherry on top for this show. Um, yeah, I really liked it. Day Job, playing in the band, drums, and Warfrat. Maybe Truckin' 2 are uh, all standout renditions worth hearing. After I monologued for what feels like hours, what did you think, Fig? No, I appreciate the monologue because uh, I don't have much. Um, uh, and, and not because of the quality. It was just because of uh, timing and stuff. Like I, I didn't have to... And I wasn't able to digest uh, set two as much as set one. Uh, day job, yeah, it was good. It was it was kind of an awesome way to start that second set, which, again, is is uh, something I never thought uh, that would come out of my mouth. Uh, but the dead, they, they, they uh, surprise you, and this is why we do uh, the project that we do. Uh, playing in the band... Didn't really do much for me. It's a 12 minute playing in the band for the first, I would say, seven minutes. And then you got some really good interplay between uh, Bobby and Jerry um, yeah. in like the middle section. And, you know, it was interesting, Nob, you called it like a chromatic thing that Bobby started to do uh, in the at the end of playing. And actually, to my ears, it was actually Secret Agent Man. And mm. I don't know. Who, I mean, that is built sings. around a chromatic riff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it it, it had that like uh, spy feel. You know, like uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, like um, but less hokey, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 it was you know it was interesting. Yeah, it was just an idea, and you know this is what they did on ten eight eighty three. Uh, and then they go into Crazy Fingers, and it was um not the best transition into Crazy Fingers, but it happened, and it was cool hearing the audience react to Crazy Fingers because it was like, yes, we're taking you to Crazy Fingers, and I now I hundred percent agree with you that Crazy Fingers is just it's something it's something else, it's something different, it's it's a rarity, but like it really does take you someplace. It's it's very dreamy. It's very um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's dreamy quality. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it's really cool. Um, and again, I don't really have too much to say about it. I do have a star next to it, so like it was definitely a highlight of the set for me, just because of what it is and what it stands for. Um, and uh, I didn't listen to Drums in Space, so I can't echo on that. Uh, Truckin', definitely a fan favorite. Again, that's another thing that you get from the audience recording is everyone just loves Truckin'. And, yeah. and the band, you know, helps them along. And yeah, like all those kind of rhythm uh, cues that they do, like gets everybody into it. Um, when I was at J-Rab with my buddy, uh, this is actually the guitarist in, in the cover band that I play in. He was like, dude, we should play this song. And I was like, trucking? Really? That's kind of, like, hard. <laughs> and I think later he was like, oh, I didn't realize this was trucking. I think he thought it was something else. And I was like, trucking, like, has so many of those, like, you gotta know where you're at in trucking or else the whole thing yeah. doesn't work. Got a lot of um, and it's also, parts. yeah, yeah, so many moving parts. And, and it's a Grateful Dead thing, you know? It's like, you know, I, I can't get off, or I, I can't get uh, away with saying what a long, strange trip it's been. And it's, it's not true to who I am. Uh, but totally true to who the Grateful Dead are. Um, and uh, we get into Warfrat. I don't have much to say about this. It was a pretty version. I wish I could uh, go back and, and, and listen again, and I just might do that. I will say that the Sugar Mags into Good Lovin' jam was kind of a fake-out, and it was a very abrupt change into Good Lovin'. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah so like that was kind of interesting. I don't know if kind of as a novelty um, you know, to, to hear. And then uh, U.S. Blues, um, you know, it's one of their perennial encores. And, uh, and it was what it was. So, um, yeah, an interesting second set for me. I just don't have too, too much, just more or less due to time constraints. But uh, again, it was, you know, the odd really lended itself to that second set. So, uh, game, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Um, I don't know why or how, how should I say this? If they could have taken the 10883 day job listened to it and said okay this is what makes this version so good and then repeat that in those same steps every other time they performed the song i would probably enjoy keep your day job um <laughs> keep your day job starting it off um i i started the this the second set with an eye roll and, and was very quickly corrected by a fantastic version of keep your day job um probably the best version i've ever heard uh truthfully um playing in the band was great um i love crazy fingers um even the worst version of crazy fingers i think is great uh, love crazy fingers i did listen to a little bit of drums um not a bunch a little bit and i thought found it very um very mellow in a way um very mellow drums um space i skipped um, Truckin' was good. I uh, really enjoyed Spoonful. Um, Wharf Rat, um, I got like, like warm and fuzzy vibes, vibes from, from Wharf Rat. Jerry just felt very, um, I don't always say connected because I don't know. It's like a show from 1983. <laughs> I'm looking back at it, but, um, I don't know. You just listening to I, that. I can see that. Just, I, I think that's a, yeah, a fine it, descriptor. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was, um, there's sometimes it's just, you know, he's singing the song. There's other times like he's in it. And this was one of those yeah. times for me. But um, it, it's such well, a character song. Yeah. And, and I think Jerry, you know, in a way was, you know, kind of an actor in, in what he did. And, and he could inhabit those characters. So that's how you felt. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's a great insight. 
Um, the sugar mag jam into good lovin'. Um, kind of wish they would have played sugar mags <laughs> instead of good lovin'. Uh, but nothing, I mean, nothing wrong with either of those. Um, oh, I, I will say that 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 fake out. You know, J Rad does fake outs quite a lot. Oh yeah, you know, like that is, out. yeah, like that's part of the repertoire of 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 grief. You know, of what J Rad does. So it's kind of it is kind of interesting to, to hear that the Grateful Dead does that from time to time. Well, that's yeah, like. Go ahead. Well, there's one infamous fake out from 94, where in the middle of space, they start teasing Cosmic Charlie, which they hadn't mm. played since 76, and the crowd goes nuts, and the crowd goes nuts. Cosmic Charlie is starting to sound like, starting to sound like, starting to sound like, oh, they're playing Warfret. <laughs> and so, uh, no, they do, they do love a good fake out tease like that. Um, what are the songs that sound like Ico Ico? Man smart, women smarter. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> See, oh, yeah. That, that's like that's like the built in Grateful Dead fake out. Which, which yeah, one that's is true. It? What's it gonna be? <laughs> I still don't know. I have an awful ear for that. I'm I'm my system for knowing which one is which when a song starts is whichever one I think it is when I start hearing it, it is almost definitely the opposite. <laughs> is so there... I have an idea for another Grateful Dead um podcast? And yeah. it's it's a game it's a game show podcast where we just yeah. have is this is it Ico or is it Mansoir <laughs> smarter? Is is there yeah. a tell or do they start out exactly the same? They I are the in, same song. They're in different keys. They they're built around the exact same chord progression, but one is in A major and one is in B major. But they're both mm-hmm. built around the same groove and chord progression. Knob just ruined it with his musical knowledge. Thanks. I know. Well, people always tell me you can hear the difference in the key, and my ear is still really bad at that. Even knowing that fact has yeah. not made me better at calling. Yeah, I, I know I can't. I, yeah, I can't tough. call it. And then once with the Wolf Brothers, I was like, okay, it's Ico. No, it's Man Smart, Women Smarter. No, it's Ico. No, it's Man Smart, Ico. Man Smart, Ico. Man Smart. It was not Fade Away. Not Fade Away. <laughs> so, you never know what songs. I usually pick That's my... Awesome. Ico Ico or Man Smart Woman Smarter based off of the political issues at the time. Is there a hot button, is there a hot button yeah. women issue? Is absolutely women smarter. Boom, yeah. we're good to go. That's especially these days, yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Um, and so then the good. show, and then quickly circling back, 2108 oh, yeah. uh, U.S. Blues was just kind of there for me. Um, I don't really go crazy over U.S. Blues encores. Sometimes um, that can be a political... Uh, yeah. comment by the band. Uh, it's like, yeah, the U.S. is great, but eh, it's a blues. From yeah, time to time. Uh, I feel like I only enjoy U.S. blues as an encore if it's like the 4th of July and it's like yeah. a Saturday night and it's like, ooh, we're going to get U.S. blues as the encore instead of one more Saturday night. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like U.S. blues as the song. Um, I just feel like we've gotten it for a lot of encores recently. I agree with that. I'm yeah. kind of over it. Had it a bunch <laughs> That's <lately>. just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's just the random nature of of the yeah. of the uh, project that we're doing here. Uh, a lot of um, truckins lately. Um, so wrapping up ten eight eighty three, we have our two final topics of the evening. That is our book of the dead and our witch set. Um, I will kick off the book of the dead voting with a hide and hardy yes. Um, wow. this is this is great. Um. I don't know if I was just having a particular good day, 
when I listen to this show. Um, but no, I, I, this show was great. Um, one of the better ones, I think. We've, we've had some good shows recently. Um, but this one's this one stands out for me. Uh, how about you, Knob or Fig? Yeah, Knob, I'm, go a, ahead. I'm a yes on this one as well. When I heard we were doing another early '80s audience tape, truth be told, I did kind of roll my eyes. Um, but I was really impressed. Uh, the sound quality is really good. The playing quality is really good. This is absolutely a show I would put on my Book of the Dead. Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll just echo. Let's make it unanimous. Um, I don't think that uh, going into the podcast, I, I would have said yes, but uh, I've had a couple beers uh, throughout the recording, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that elevated this t- from a maybe to a yes. So, Book of the Dead, sure. And and I think uh, and I think you you folks will agree with what I'm about to say. Uh, but we're now at the witch set portion, and I kind of feel <laughs> that if we get three yeses for Book of the Dead. That which set should just become null and void, and we should just give them the whole show. Because if, oh, we, all okay. agreed, like if we all agreed that it was it's our, our Book of the Dead, we should give them the whole thing, right? It's sure. like a bingo kind of. Sure. Yeah. yeah why not? Um, it's been a while since I think we had all three yeses. So yeah, and plus it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Giving, yeah. Let's them, give back. We're giving back from giving them a free <laughs> show that we got off set the one and for set two. But and you know the encore. I, I was gonna say I'll cut the no, encore. no encore. That's too much. <laughs> I'll cut the encore. Don't 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 get greedy. It's <laughs> the second version of the day job that opens set two. <laughs> you we like day job so much you're getting it twice. <laughs> um, which is not something I ever would have guessed I'd hear out of your mouth game. Even exactly. sarcastically. We we should probably make that the, the title of the of the show. Oh my god, day job's good. <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, I, so I have a title. I have a title. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's either J Dob. Actually, I think it's gonna be J Dob nice. because um, Nob said J Dob. <laughs> um, and Nob also said fun boogie woogie with an awkward chord. We're <laughs> talking about Ooh. day jobs again. So yeah, like it's either that. one of those I like two. Fun, I like I like fun the boogie woogie with an awkward chord. Okay. <laughs> yes, I do like that. That's the way I really describe my life. Truthfully, it's I, fun that's boogie how woogie. I described my band's album to people. <laughs> Uh, let's go ahead and uh, do our bookkeeping and wrap up this week's episode as well as highlight next week's episode Um, this week we did not have any reddit comments for 10.8.83 and sucks to be them because they all missed out on a pretty banger of a show Uh, but also it is a a week before the holidays it's starting to uh, get a little busier for everybody so we do understand but please um if you do have a comment um on a show we are featuring please um uh, post on the subreddit and we will make sure to feature it um on this um on all, on our episode um next show that we are featuring is uh prime primal dead prime prime primal dead um january 17th 1969 um santa barbara california um this is the day before um i guess i would say infamous um, yeah. playboy after dark um, they appearance. Playboy. yes yeah. um truthfully i am not the i guess you would still consider 69 primal dead i'm not sure oh, what yeah. the what the errors go um and really i'm not the biggest primal dead fan uh, however um 
I do appreciate that Playboy After Dark stuff. Um, and 69, I do kind of enjoy more than like 67, right? Um, yeah. So, so. Um, Actually, I, I don't even feature 67 on the project. I And that might be an oversight on my point, but when I delineated the project, it was 68 uh, and above. I, I just figured that there wasn't really the tech for uh, recording and the no, band I, was like so nascent in 67 that. Yeah, so yeah, I don't. Yeah, there's I couldn't only even a handful of tell you. 67 recordings that sound good because you yeah, do get they're, they're playing in pizza parlors and stuff. Like, well, no, they're we're getting to because this is around the time that they start getting the live recordings that'll eventually make up Anthem of the Sun in 67. And so there's not very many 67 shows that sound good, but there are a couple that sound really good. Okay, cool. I, I, I might fold imagine. those in uh, to the. The project, then uh, you know, I might curate it's those. It's not something I feel. That's just something I have. It's just something that I wanted to half vocalize on our podcast. <laughs> I I would love to 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 see the recording set up in a 1967 pizza parlor with like <laughs> yeah. just just from the technology. Mr. Magoo, really, I think that would be um, killer. Um, but yeah, it looks like we get a heavy jams. Nah, Maybe not too heavy. Yeah. We get a, no, a, think, a thirteen minute. Right. We get a thirteen minute dark star. Sixteen minute love light. We get a sixteen minute love light. A lot of that's gonna be talking. Yeah. We get a twelve minute eleven. Uh, a ten minute death. Don't have no mercy. So nice. Yeah. No heavy jams all throughout. Um. Eleven yeah. minute other one. Um. Yeah. It's an hour and a half of music. Which I always love. I am going to have to have my notepad out for taking notes during the show, I think, for <laughs> sure. I really enjoyed the beep and the boop eight minutes in Dark Star. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, that is our next show. Once again, it's January 17th, 1969. And we're going to go ahead and do our uh, final bookkeeping here for the evening. Um, please, as always, smash the subscribe button, um, like and share uh, this podcast with any and all of your Grateful Dead loving friends and family, um, as well as any of your music loving friends and family. If you have friends and family that love Goose, give it to them. If they love Billy Strings, give it to them. If they kind of sort of can tolerate Jay Rad, give it to them. <laughs> um, you know this week, send it to your Swifty friends. And oh, you, good point. And you know what? And everybody who's listening to this at least has one Swifty in their life. So if you can distribute this episode to that at least one Swifty, we can change the world one podcast at a time. Um, as always, you may find us at wherever podcasts are downloaded. And even though we are having a very thankful week this week, if your podcast provider has happens to rhyme with thankify you won't find us on there however you will find us <laughs> thankify or dankify uh if it rhymes with nine. either ones of those you will not find us on that platform however you will find us at wherever else podcasts are downloaded uh you may find us directly on the web if you like to manually download those podcasts or just listen to them on the web uh that address is help on the way you may email us at help on the way pod at gmail.com you may find us on reddit at reddit.com slash grateful dead and uh, i can finally 
confirm that um, twitch.tv slash the GD channel will be making its return to the broadcast right. airwaves um, on, i got to look at the calendar here, but it's the second week of December. We will be relaunching on December 12th. Um, it could be perhaps a little earlier than that, and if it is a little earlier than that, I will uh, make a Reddit post announcing. Uh, but December 12th, we should be back live on twitch.tv slash the GD channel. Um, that, that is it for me. I feel like we've kind of went a little bit longer than we normally do. But, uh, it's been a beefy podcast. It has been a beefy podcast, yeah. but it's a good good beefy podcast. Um, yeah, any, say. any parting uh, words for either Knob or Fig? I will say archive.org forward slash donate for this big upcoming uh, Giving Tuesday. And to quote the great Bob Weir, take a look at the world today. What can anybody say? It's fucked. Happy Thanksgiving. Did Bob say happy Thanksgiving? Or was that you? Um, yes. Yes, okay. And on that note, thank you once again for listening to the Help on the Way podcast.
circus Cause it just might be your kind of zoo
Stop. 
Everyone say 
Yeah.